back to Behind Our Door. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nancy. We have such a cool organization today. We are welcoming Carve Your Own Path that is so cool. Just right up our alley with Behind Our Door. It's an organization that offers a a holistic approach to mental health and well-being and so much to learn. We're actually going to have this a two-part mini-series and uh, so this will be two episodes and lots to learn that's really, really valuable. Uh, first, I will introduce a member of their staff, Lisa Schaefer, who is a therapist, uh, social worker, yoga teacher, and Reiki healer. I, I never know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Reiki. Obviously, I have to learn what it is. I always hear about it, so excited. Um, but we are uh, so happy to have you here. Welcome, Lisa Schaefer. Welcome, Lisa. And- and uh, we're thrilled that you took the time to be with us today. Thanks a million. Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, I I don't know if you've ever like heard, um, you know, what what's a topic you could talk about with, on a whim for 30 minutes easily. Um, and this would definitely be um, one of those top three for me um, as far as mental health and um, the implications of mind-body and the importance of connecting our mind-body on our healing journey. Before before we get into that, Lisa, we'd love to ask our guests how you got into this field. What what brought you here? I always love the backstory yeah. to people because everyone yeah. has such a different story. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's interesting because when I was really little, I always had wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I, I had seen a movie, um, and a- after that, I definitely wanted to be a lawyer. And um, when I was going to college in my undergrad, I had taken a class called victimology, and um, I learned about the other side of the criminal justice system. And so um, I had made a decision that I wanted to be a little bit more hands-on and helping people in that manner. And um, I had gone and I got my bachelor's degree in um, criminal justice and my first master's degree in criminal justice with a concentration in forensic psychology. Um, And yeah. And additionally, I was doing a lot of um, addictions um, counseling back at that point in time. Um, And in about 2015, Ohio um, did a redesign in their insurance structure. And so I kind of saw the writing on the wall um, that I needed to go back to school to get an additional license. Otherwise, I would have been kind of um, stuck and not have that much uh, forward momentum. Um, so I went back to Case Western Reserve and got my master's degree in social work. Um, and at the end of that, um, which was a pretty grueling experience because I did a condensed version. Um, so I did three years in um, a two-year period. And then after that, I kind of had, as Brene Brown calls it, a, a mini breakdown, right? Um, where I decided I was going to add yoga um, to this repertoire. And by that time, you know, um, The Body Keeps the Score um, had been out and Bessel van der Kolk had been going around and talking about the importance of this mind-body connection. And it just really made sense for me and my healing journey. Um, I've been a yogi since 2001, um, but to be a teacher um, had never really crossed my mind. But 
combining uh, the two things that I love of therapy and helping people along with this idea of moving our emotions through our body, just, it was divine intervention. Oh, it's, it sounds like it. You were meant to be here on this path. I, I am not a yogi per se, but I found yoga probably about almost 15 years ago. And the reason that I started to do it was I'm a, I just retired from law enforcement, but I was in law enforcement and it wreaks havoc on your, on your body. And mm-hmm. so I need it for the stretching more than anything. Well, I came to find out that um, raising a son who suffers from mental health issues really gives you a lot of stress in your life. And that one hour a week really calmed my nervous system. And so ironically, what I can say about it is fast forward many years later, I found myself in stressful situations doing a lot of yoga breathing. And so I became a huge advocate for yoga and I I did it unconsciously, which was crazy. But um, at some point I figured out like, wow, I can't even believe that somehow I've trained my body to do this. Instead of going into fight or flight, it went into this yoga breathing response where I could breathe through things, think more clearly and react differently. So um, before we get in the Reiki, I just want to, I guess, know what is your, or how do you teach or what do you teach or, you know, how does it work for you? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I, I love your experience and I really appreciate that because a lot of times what I find um, is that we're very good intellectualizers. We're very good at like thinking the thing, but we don't feel it. And so yoga really allows us to take the thinking cap and put it in our heart space. Um, and that is where that mind-body connection kind of comes into. And um, if you've read um, Permission to Feel by Dr. Mark Brackett, um, he talks a lot about um, we are taught um, happy, sad, mad, and fear. Those are the four basic feelings that people can identify. However, there's a whole range of feelings that we have. You know, you can be joyful, you can be enthusiastic, you can be fearful, you can be pissed, you can be enraged, you can be despondent. Um, there's there's a huge continuum of feelings. And when we don't embody our feelings, then we are only going to get, I'm mad today, I'm sad today. Um, and so I start at the very basic, what I consider very basic with my clients um, when, when they come to me and I see that this might be where they're at, um, to tell them, start identifying on a, I always use scaling, uh, a one to 10 scale. Um, what is your one in an anger? And what's the word for that? Maybe it's frustrated, maybe it's annoyed. Um, and how does that feel in your body, right? So like, what are some of the things that you start to notice? Like when you're at the grocery store and somebody bumps into you with a buggy, you know, um, what does that feel like uh, emotionally? And what does that feel like physically? Then when we get to the 10, like if you're enraged, like what does that feel like? You know, are your uh, palms sweaty? 
Um, you know, some people might start to get ringing in their ears. Maybe they um, their tongue gets heavy. Um, the same thing with, you know, sadness and happiness. Um, and it's very interesting on how people identify, you know, going from zero to 60. Like, I don't know how I got there. I just, you know, snap and I'm there. And, and realistically, that's not how our emotions happen. There are those buildup cues that we're just not aware um, physically or emotionally that are going on. And so at the very basis, that's a lot of skill building right there. Now, do you, when you're saying teaching, you have a client come to you, um, is this somebody who walks through the door that immediately is um, on a yoga mat or do you have talk therapy also and incorporate both? Um, what's the first, the first through the door? Yeah, it kind of depends on where the client is. Um, so there are clients who will read my profile and say, yes, yes, yes. I absolutely want to do this. I'm interested. And then we get into session and, you know, we'll do a body scan and they'll say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not feeling that. Or, um, you know, um, talking about doing the breath work um, that Joe was talking about. And um, they're like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Like I've had a client who, you know, tried meditation and it didn't work the first time that they did it. So they don't find value in that where, as we know, Michael Jordan didn't get to be one of the greatest uh, basketball players of all time with only shooting um, free throws one time, right? So even mental health coping skills take practice. Like we have to do daily inventories constantly to know we can't go around the world with a hammer thinking that that's going to be the only tool that's fixing our problems. And, and sometimes do you start with... Um like, you know, the first stages, do you start with breathing or do you go right into the actions of yoga and, and, um, and the yoga, I know there's a learning curve of positions and all of that. And I'm not school. I'm not well-versed in that at all. I, I tried over the pandemic. We had our daughter living with us for a few months who is almost 28. So she's an adult daughter and she is really into yoga and she herself is a therapist. So she, she loves the whole thing. And I tried, everything was over zoom and she had this, has these friends that started a yoga studio in Vermont. So we were doing it all, you know, everything was long distance, I guess, zoom wise, but I, I was so interested and I'm a runner. I'm very into the whole meditative when I'm running and never listen to anything, but I've never gotten into yoga because I don't like you're saying the patients and it's all the positions and I was like looking at the screen. I couldn't balance the same time I'm looking and calling out these uh, calling out these positions. And she finally kicked me out of the room and said, you're ruining my whole <laughs> my whole focus. But so back to my question, do you start with just the breathing or you just jump into teaching them these positions? Yeah. So um, when I couple yoga with therapy, it is more about restorative and restoration. So <clears throat> it's getting people to feel comfortable in the boredom, getting people to feel comfortable with just being with themselves. And so it's not about, you know, can a person go through a sun salutation? It's can you sit and lay on your back and just breathe and be okay with where you are and feel safe and feel supported? Um, so I 
Um, I love hot power. It is my jam. Um, I don't know where I'd be without it. However, the connection for mental health isn't, can you do a hot power class? It's, can you sit in a meditative state and be restorative and give your body and your mind time to calm down and relax? And so, um, again, when we look at our culture that is productivity based, um, we, especially as women carry and, um, many responsibilities and wear many, many different hats. And so then at the end of the day, what is, what is for me and what is mine? Well, I can sit here in my chair in between clients. If I have five minutes and breathe, I can sit here in my chair for five minutes and maybe just do some spinal twists to get that energy moving so that I'm not just stagnant sitting here while I'm on Zoom calls all day. And so it's really meeting the client where they're at and how much do they know about yoga? How much do they know about breath work? What um, experiences that they've had for meditation? You know, the, the positive side of COVID is that a lot of things that might have been considered in-person only have moved to online platforms and are really great resources. Um, Insight Timer um, is an app that I use because it's free. Um, and, you know, a lot of my clients might not be able to, you know, pay for like Calm or some of the other um, Headspace, I think is another one. Um, and so, you know, I look for um, resources that my clients can use in between session because it's not just about the hour that we spend together. These are skills and tools I want them to practice every day, multiple times a day when we're not together. Um, and so um, Insight Timer is a really great one. They have guided meditations as little as five minutes, as much as to an hour. Um, and being able to um, successfully have um, a yoga experience where you can go through a progressive muscle relaxation and really feel relaxed at the end of it and not feel as though um, it was torturous or you had, you know, a million things running through your brain while you were laying there trying to be restorative. Yeah, I want I want to piggyback off of a little bit what you were saying. And again, this is just my personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, the instructor that I had for yoga would repeat consistently during the class that yoga is a practice. So I think people go in with the wrong mindset that they have to go in and be good and be limber and be able to bend in half and put their feet over their head and, you know, do a headstand. And like, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about being in the moment for me and learning to take that moment and just take a rest. And so anyone who wants to try yoga, whether it be online or in person, I think you have to give it a half a chance. Doing it one time is not enough. And walking into it and think you have to be like the girl that's, that's in a headstand or, you know, can do the splits or whatever else kind of weird. You know, they have all kinds of weird poses. Um, that's not it. Just do what you can for your body and what makes you feel good. And you can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong in any of that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that once I became a certified um, yoga instructor, I felt comfortable enough to do what my body is craving. And so in a yoga class, if I don't want to do what the teacher's calling out, I don't. I do what I want to do. Maybe that's 
sit in child's pose. Maybe that's do a whole completely different pose altogether. But again, giving that confidence and that um, ability to have autonomy to do what your body is craving and that you desire, because even in a collective space, like a yoga class, um, you know, the teacher is just making suggestions, you know, based on, you know, how they kind of see the class to go. Um, but even, even in a, you know, group like that, um, the part that I like it, like about it in which, you know, yoga teachers, most yoga teachers probably don't know, but they're doing kind of cognitive behavioral therapy in a way. So like if you're, if you are in warrior two, where you're in a lunge and your arms are out and you're just breathing there, right? Um, one of the things, you know, after a few breaths, my yoga instructor will say, what's going on in your mind? What are you saying to yourself? You know, this is a pretty non-conflict type of situation. And if you're sitting there saying, I'm weak, I can't do this, this is horrible. And it's negative after negative um, narrative. Well, what do you think that that person thinks off of their mat when daily struggles come up, when there's work conflicts, when there's relation conflicts, when there are problem solving skills that maybe need to be polished? Um, It's not, I'm great. It's not, this is the easiest thing in the world or, oh, look at all of these resources I have. And that's where that cognitive behavioral therapy comes into play too, because we're trying to change the way we think. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like the first time we always hear so much about yoga and breathing and how like everything we're saying, this is the first time I've ever heard, you know, even thought about connecting CBT, cognitive behavior therapy to yoga. But you're absolutely right. It's very interesting what you're saying. That's it's really. So do you also at at Carve Your Own Path, do you practice CBT, cognitive behavior therapy as well? Yeah, um, I specifically, um, I'm trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm also trained in EMDR, which is a whole nother holistic modality in terms of um, using bilateral stimulation, which goes along great with breath um, in order to... I don't want to, just to interrupt, can you, for the sake of our Behind Our Door family, um, EMDR, just tell us what that is, what it stands for and the basics because yeah. it's very it's very interesting as well yeah. um eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy um it started with um doing eye movements with like a finger or an object um in the eyes you want them to cross the meridian of the face um and that bilateral stimulation has been found to help rewire some of that negative self-talk into positive self-talk. And what they found, it wasn't just with eyes. So you can use tones, um, so um, earbuds. um, You can use tapping, um, which is that physical sensation. Um, And then there's a lot of tech out there now where there's like light bars. Um, Those can be very, very expensive. But even doing online, there's lots of great apps that you can use um, that give that in-person feel so that that person can have all of the sensory things that they may need to do that reprocessing for EMDR. Interesting. Yeah, the way I understand it, and um, I've only met with a couple EMDR specialists just to, so I could provide it to other police officers, was um, it's about 
the nervous system stimulation, right? So you held two vibrating things in your hand and you were having therapy at the same time. And the idea was that the trauma that you were experiencing was then not stuck in your frontal lobe, so to speak, but then it could actually move down the rest of your body. And so, um, you know, you weren't having consistent flashbacks or what have, at least, again, that's the way I understood it. Um, and that's the way I've been relaying it. So I hope that's right. Yeah, um, there's a lot of neurobiology. And even as a trained therapist, I don't know all there is to know about the wonderful makings of our brain. And it's kind of like one of those things that I wish I knew more when I was younger, but it just wasn't either that exciting, or maybe I just didn't have the time to think about how important that was. Um, and, you know, there seems to be like this magical um, part of EMDR, that, because you kind of have to do it in order to really kind of feel how that experiences. Um, and so it can kind of be a little bit more on the woo-woo end, but I, I assure you, this is probably one of the most research, researched therapies, uh, modalities that is out there because of that. And so there's lots and lots of evidence that shows um, that the bilateral stimulation is what helps uh, rewire the brain because as we are activating, you know, opposite hand, it's activating the opposite parts of our brain. And yeah. I mean, how long you said, you know, you wish you would have known about it, you know, a long back. How long has it been around? I mean, it's um, I always since know the 80s. Oh, since really? I thought it was around since the Vietnam War, after the Vietnam War. Wow. But maybe I read that wrong. That's yeah. Um, well, I know Dr. Shapiro um, okay. did a lot of her research um, since the 80s. Wow. But yeah, a lot of this stuff definitely came out of Vietnam and trying to help people. Um, if you've read Body Keeps the Score, um, yeah. Bessel van der Kolk, um, with those uh, folks who were coming to see him, they did yoga. They did wow. yoga as part of their therapy. A lot of addiction uh, residential places these days, they have yoga as a part of their process. Mm -hmm. And it is a very healing modality. Unfortunately, insurances don't pay for that. Um, so, you know, that is why, you know, we are a private pay agency so that we can um, offer things that we know support that healing process. And it's evidence-based too. Right, right. The one thing I was going to say too is um, going back a little bit to the EMDR is I think people do a lot of the tapping therapy kind of unconsciously, like don't people when they're nervous, move, you move your ring or, you know, you tap your knee or you are playing with your hand, scratching it. Or so <clears throat> what that really is, is like, um, self-soothing your, your, mm -hmm. your, your, um, nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately what, therapy and, you know, using these other holistic uh, modalities are doing is calming down that inner chaos. Mm -hmm. And whether it's those big T traumas, like going to war or having a car accident and, you know, having, you know, learned that, you know, you've lost some of your physical capabilities. Um, there's a lot of chronic things that happen to us that just build up over time and it etches away at our self-esteem, our self-efficacy, our autonomy. And, you know, just think of like 
bullying in school. You know, a lot of kids experience that and that is traumatic. Um, And then when you become an adult, that absolutely impacts how you make friends as an adult Mm -hmm. or even have intimate partners as an adult. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So interesting. Can, Can you give us a little bit of background on this Reiki? Tell us what that's all about. Yeah. I've only seen it on the housewives. (laughs) So what we need to understand first, before I kind of start to talk about Reiki, is that everything is energy. Everything is made up of energy. We are all molecular beings, and we are made up of energy. Even things that are non-living have energy in them. Um, and there is actually a machine and it's escaping me the name of it, but there's, it's, um, it's a machine that actually can go around and check the electromagnetic energy of things. It's very, very expensive. And so Reiki is a Japanese form of healing where you have an exchange of energy. So not like massage where you're manipulating the muscles, um, and, and doing healing in that way, but it can be just kind of hands on or hands over a body. Um, So if somebody has trauma and they don't like personal touch or they have spectrum disorder or neurotypical um, things or maybe touch or sensations, they don't appreciate that, um, you can have hands over. And so a person is in a meditative state. um, The practitioner is in a meditative state. And you just share this experience. Now, the way that I was practiced Uh, taught and how I practice is I incorporate um, the seven chakras, um, which are root, sacral, solar solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, and your crown chakra. And each one of those chakras are related to specific emotional um, disturbances. If your chakras are blocked, Um, physical disturbances, if your uh, chakras are blocked, Um, And when we bring into balance, um, that can be done through food and nutrition. Um, That can be done through essential oils or aromatherapy, yoga, sound therapy, um, and meditation. So I've seen that um, when the the, uh, instructor, the the one conducting this therapy, does not have hands-on. And that's that's the amazing view of it. Mm-hmm. How does that work? And also, I did not realize that the person conducting this also is in a meditative state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really that's really unique. Yeah, um, we tap into what we call is life force energy. So, um, again, that's the vibrational energy that surrounds all of us, and it helps. Um, Reiki helps open the chakras. Um, to a functional state. So I use the word blocked interchangeably in terms of a chakra, chakra who is, or that is closed um, or something that is wide open. And I'll use the heart as an example. Um, our heart chakra, if it's closed, maybe we're isolating, maybe we're not feeling connected to ourselves, feeling connected to other people. However, if it's wide open, maybe we are codependent Maybe we are having um, 
lots of different relationships that are um, predatory or not in our best interest. And so we're just kind of like trying to get love anywhere we can. Um, and so through each of the chakras, um, that can represent itself um, in a blockage, whether it's open too far and we're, you know, kind of getting too much of something or it's closed and we're not getting, you know, what we need at all. Now, before somebody embarks on this Reiki, Reiki, I don't know Reiki. why I can't see Reiki. it for now. Um, Reiki. Oh, Reiki. Okay. Before one embarks on Reiki, they do they have some sort of a sit down so that a person who's conducting this can learn what they're, what's going on, or is this just read through the body? It is um, a little bit of both. Um, so I typically um, just meet with clients and just, you know, get a general vibe. However, um, I also um, use uh, the chakras and um, the needs met through Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if we're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the chakras actually line up with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So our root chakra Um our physiological needs, are they met? Um, you know, again, going up to our heart chakra, um, esteem, you know, love and belonging, is that being met? Safety is our sacral chakra. Um, and so, you know, going all the way up to, you know, self-actualization, which is, you know, our higher self of our third eye and our crown chakras. Um, so all of those things are... Um, very um, interchangeable with what Maslow kind of laid out in his hierarchy of needs as well. And how long does one of these sessions take? Um, I typically offer 60-minute sessions. I do offer 90-minute sessions as well. Um, and it just kind of depends on, you know, what the person is looking for. Um, I include... Um, Aromatherapy, I will include uh, crystals and sound therapy as well to, again, heighten that vibration. So are, how much, if you say, oh, sorry, go ahead. Are you in a, like, dark room? It's it's mood lighting. We'll, we'll okay. put it like that. Like um, a, yeah, like I have... Massage? Like when you're doing yeah, massage? Yeah, or, okay. absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So um, I have a massage table um, mm -hmm. and I have, you know, pills and blankets and things to make it, you know, super comfy. And then um, I invite my client to just be in a meditative and relaxed state. And then um, I put myself in a meditative state and then um, we just get, get, get working. Um, it's really interesting because afterwards is we'll kind of do a little bit of a debrief and, you know, I will share, um, some things that may come up for me. Sometimes I see, um, colors or maybe I'll have a certain physical experience myself when I'm at a certain part on their body. Um, and I will see, you know, did that match a similar experience that they had? Um, you know, I had a client who after, after we had um, gotten done, they had had surgery on their rotator cuff and um, they asked me, you know, did you put like a hot towel or a heating pad on me at one point in time? And I was like, no. Um, and they said, I would have swore that you like put something nice and warm, like over my injured wow. spot. And um, no, that was just the, the power of life force energy being exchanged. 
So that's so. Is this also sometimes used for pain management? Physical, just yes. more physical. There's always yeah. a mental part yes. of it, but. Um, Cleveland Clinic actually did a really great um, article, which is linked on my website, amindfullotus.com, and how they actually encourage um, nurses to even get trained in Reiki. Nick, you are really great um, nurses for getting trained in Reiki. Again, it's not something that's covered by insurance, although there is lots and lots of evidence that show that sound therapy, Reiki, yoga, breath work, all of that stuff actually helps post-surgery. And, and something like you said, either, you know, sick for an example, 60 or 90 minutes, depending. How much, you know, roundabout, how much does it cost for, let's say, a 60-minute oh, session? Yeah. In our area, you're going to pay anywhere between 70 to $100, just kind of depending on the practitioner and the type of instruments that they include. So if they're using essential oils and sound therapy, they're going to write those additional costs into that. I know that there's one practitioner that has like a lower fee, but then they, anything that you would add on is an, an additional fee. So then like if you wanted aromatherapy, that would be like an extra 15 or 20 bucks or something. And then, yeah, the longer sessions is where you're going to have more time over all of the parts of the body and then also offers more time for sound therapy. Okay, thank you. And so you, you Carve Your Own Path is located in Ohio, correct? Yes. So yeah. if, if, you know, our listeners are from all over the country, they're international listeners as well. If, um, you know, there no doubt there will pe be people listening to this thinking, I got to find some of that for me. Um, is this uh, sort of, are these different areas practiced all over in small towns, big towns? How would someone... What would they look up? How do they find what they're looking for uh, from where they are? Yeah, you. I mean, Google is a wonderful search engine. If you go to a yoga studio, I know many of the yoga studios, at least in my neighborhood and the ones that I go to, a lot of the yoga instructors are also Reiki masters or Reiki practitioners. And the yoga studios will also offer yoga and Reiki in the same building. You know, that's how I got introduced to it. I had been a yogi. There was a workshop done by my Reiki master. And uh, I said, sure, why not try that? And then I did it. It was like a two hour class where we did restorative. So you're laying in very sleep like poses. Um, and she came around the room and did Reiki on all of us. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then I booked a, a private session with her and loved it even more. And then when I became a certified yoga instructor, part of our program was getting your Reiki One certification. And so from there, it just kind of took off on its own. Do, do people ever fall asleep during it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I've had people snoring. I've had people... <laughs> you know, kind of do the little jerky jerks as they're, you know, kind of falling asleep. And yeah, I mean, that's essentially, you know, the healing power of relaxation. And, yeah. you know, um, we, we definitely don't get enough of it in our culture, in our country as women. And, and so, you know, yeah, it's kind of one of those more um, flamboyant self-care type things. However, you know, if you can afford it and you have the time, I would absolutely encourage everyone to have that as part of their self-care routine. 
And it's great advice what you're saying as far as people calling around looking um, for this, these services for themselves that uh, you ask, is it all in, like with Reiki, is it all included or do you add on for these extra things? Um, mm -hmm. That was informative, good advice. Yeah. And hopefully most people would have pretty transparent uh, web pages and, and descriptions of things at, at this day and age. I find that at least the people that I know that market online and have you know, web pages, um, do that. And yeah, it's always just good to ask. Yeah. And I think yoga is pretty simplistic to find because even if you yeah. can't find it, um, in your neighborhood, you can find it online anywhere. And there are a ton, a ton of free, um, YouTube videos, apps now that you can get on. However, I would suggest that to do it in person before you do it online, just my own, because I learned a lot about poses that I thought I was doing right, but I wasn't doing right. And um, you don't want people to hurt themselves either. Yeah, I was, so. yeah, was going to say there's also the risk of injury if you don't mm -hmm. have if you don't have the proper instructor. I know people that have hurt their backs and things like that trying it on their own. So it's something to um, definitely look for the proper certifications of a teacher and make sure that you're really um, go going to get the basics from somebody who knows. Yeah, I would say um, if somebody is new and they are um, you know, nervous. Most studios have, um, beginner yoga classes. Um, as far as YouTube yoga with Adrian is a very, very, very popular yoga teacher who does very easy, gentle, um, new beginner type yoga. That's how my husband started actually. <laughs> I just wrote, I just wrote it down. Yeah. Um, and, and Reiki can also be done, um, via telehealth and via distance as well. Um, oh, I, oops, this is the coolest thing I have. It's a board that looks like a person and it has all of the chakra, um, symbols on it. Um, this was made for me by another Reiki practitioner. And so I will put this down in front of me. And, you know, if you were my client, I would imagine you as this, this little board. And um, that is how I do Reiki uh, via telehealth. Wow. And my last question is, how many sessions do you recommend then for, I mean, yoga, obviously, I feel like people should do it forever, but yeah, Reiki, should you do it once, 10 times? Again, that's going to depend on, you know, the person and the kind of effect that they're getting. You know, I have one person who comes monthly pretty regularly um, and I have, you know, a couple other people that come, you know, biweekly. Um, so it just kind of depends. You know, I know I had a client who before they had surgery, they came every week up into the point that they had surgery um, just to kind of help that process. Um, so again, it just kind of depends. It also depends on, you know, um, finances too. Yeah. And it probably helps in recovery. I mean, you're building the body in a certain way. That's really another interesting aspect. Anyway, yeah. well, this has been such a wealth of information. I mean, so interesting, all of it. I feel healthier just for listening. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. This was really, really interesting and inspiring. I think we'll all go out and try and do something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like this is just how can you not and I'm not doing it yet. So I got to get going. This is just really, really sounds so, so important for the head to toe well being. Yeah. If there is a takeaway I could give your listeners is that your breath 
is your life force energy. And you know that you're alive and living because you are still breathing. And your breath is the best resource that you will ever have. And it's with you wherever you go. You don't need to wait to get home to do a breathing exercise. You don't need to wait till you get to your yoga mat to do Mm -hmm. a breathing exercise. And all you need is one minute to regulate your nervous Mm -hmm. system the more the better. But if all you have is one minute, you could set a timer on your clock and you could sit there and breathe. My favorite um, types of breath work are box breathing, where you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four. Do that three to five times, take a, you know, take a break and then come back to that. If that, um, you know, that first round didn't work for you. Um, Anytime we extend the exhale. So if we inhale for four, and we exhale for six or eight, we're, we're regulating our nervous system. So the whole point of, you know, yoga and Reiki and breath work and therapy is to regulate our nervous system so that we're not in fight or flight. And we can tap into our prefrontal cortex where logic and decision making and um, we can make better choices for ourselves as opposed to impulsivity. Oh, great yeah. words of wisdom. I yeah. love it. And, and I promise you it works. I promise. Firsthand, it, it works 100%. Um, and I still do it to this day, you know, almost 15 years later. Anytime I have a lot of stress, I just, it, and you don't even think about it. It's just automatic. So this information is invaluable to people who are listening. Thank you, yeah. Lisa. Thank you, Lisa, yeah. for coming. Bye-bye. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at behindourdoor@mail.com. That's behindourdoor@mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.